we stand in the presence of God's Word. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. This is the word of the Lord. I don't think you can really understand this significant 15th chapter of Luke without going back 600 years before. 600 years before the Babylonians laid siege to the city of Jerusalem, finally breached the walls, brought all the king's children in, and in front of the king, killed them all, then gouged out the king's eyes and force-marched him and all the best and brightest away to Babylon. A similar fate had befallen the northern tribes 200 years before, and they had caved in. They literally became Assyrians. So the great burden on the hearts of the priests and prophets who were carted away to Babylon was, how can we be Jews whenever this is finally over. How can we still be Jews and not Babylonians? They decided on three things. We will still circumcise our little boys on the eighth day of their lives. We will eat kosher, and we will observe Sabbath every Friday sundown until Saturday sundown. If we can hold on to these three, we will be Jews whenever this is over. During that 600-year period, of course, the Babylonians were overrun by the Persians. The Persians were eventually defeated by the Greeks. The Greeks eventually defeated by the Romans. They had had a long, rough road. And the Pharisees really felt it was an important part of their identity to be sure that all Jews were still circumcising the little boys on the eighth day, observing Sabbath every week from Friday sundown till Saturday sundown, and eating kosher. You and I have trouble with this grasping how significant it was that Jesus was eating with tax collectors and other sinners because we eat with anybody. With fast food, we eat with anybody. We go in, and if the tables are all full, we sit down with an absolute stranger. It simply wasn't done in that first century. Sitting and eating with someone was the ultimate sign of acceptance of that person. When one goes to Italy, one sees signs, pane, pane, bread shops. And we have a word in English, kumpani, it began, with bread. A companion is one with whom one has broken bread. One of my professors at Perkins School of Theology Cynthia's professors at Perkins was Dr. Bill Power, and he told us about being on a, an archaeological dig in Israel. One day it was really hot. They were working hard when a teenage boy came up to him and offered him an orange. He said, 
I said, thank you very much. I would love to have that orange. And the little boy peeled one himself. Dr. Power peeled his. They sat there on the edge of the dig and ate these oranges. And now this teenager said, you owe me. And he said, what do I owe you? And he said, I want to go to America. If you eat with me, you are saying... If I'm ever hungry, I can come to your door and knock, and you will feed me. Eating with someone was the ultimate sign of acceptance, and Jesus was eating with the wrong people. And many of our best scholars today say that the thing that finally got him killed was eating with the wrong people, culminated by turning over the money changers when he got to Jerusalem. So this is a very significant story. Luke is telling us Jesus is relentlessly making his way toward Jerusalem now. These are the last days of his life. And still the Pharisees are grumbling in the background. Look at him. Look at him. And Luke says, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming. They were all coming. And Jesus looked at these grumbling, whining, mumbling people who meant well and said, I want to tell you a story. And he ended up telling them three. Now, the lectionary says that we ought to deal with the first two of those in Kingdom Tide next September. So I will. We'll save that one about the lost sheep and that one about the lost coin till September the 15th. Today, we're going to deal with the third story. There was a man who had two sons. Now, people have focused all these years on the younger son. Israel had a history of the younger son upsetting the, the order of things. It was not the firstborn, Esau, who would finally become father of the Jews. It would be his younger brother, Jacob. It was not the oldest son born to Jacob who would lead the family. It would be young son, Joseph. It would not be the oldest son of Jesse who would become king. It would be the youngest one, David. So they probably had great hopes for this younger son who suddenly comes in to his father one day and says, I want my money. Well, that's not really what he said. The word here in Greek is bios. We have it in biology. L-O-G-Y on the end of an English word comes from the Greek logos or logia, means words about or knowledge of. Biology is a knowledge of life. This young man said to him, I want my part of your life. In effect saying, I wish you were dead. I don't want to wait around for my part of your life. I want it now. And the father divided his bios, his life, gave the younger one his share, and he went away to a far country. You know young people who go away to the far country thinking it's going to be so much better than the close country who cross the fence to the greener grass so sure it's going to be better? And he squandered, as the English word used here, he squandered his father's bios, his life. He wasted it. And finally was so desperate that he took a job feeding hogs. Now, Jesus wants you to understand this is as low as a Jewish kid could go. 
He is not only living among Gentiles, he's working for them, and he's working with the foulest animal Jews knew. He is so hungry seeing these hogs eating the pods off the carob tree that he decides he may have to eat them too. Only the poorest of people and animals ate these pods. He was that hungry. Then he came to himself, and he uttered a very important word, the one Jesus used when he taught us how to pray. I could go to my Abba. I could go to my Abba. I I know I could never be a son again. I've wasted my part of my father's life. But even the douloi, the servants, the slaves at my father's house are treated better than this. Surely he would let me be a doulos for him. And he started home. And on the way home, he's rehearsing his speech. You ever done that? You ever have a conversation that you're going to have to have the next morning and rehearsed it over and over and over? Sometimes there's an employee working with you you got to deal with, and you've decided tomorrow morning, I'm going to deal with him. I'm going to deal with her. And so you lie there in the wee hours of the morning thinking about just how you're going to say that, just how I'm going to say that. Where am I going to say that? How am I going to say that? When I get there, I'll say, Abba, I I know I wasted my part of your life, but if I could just be a douloi for you, that would be enough. Any chance I could be a servant for you? Guess what? All this time, the Father's been waiting, looking great German theologian and preacher of the last century, Dr. Helmut Thielicke, called this sermon, The Waiting Father. That this is really a story about the father, not about the two sons. This is really a story about God. All of Jesus' stories are about God and the kingdom of God. And this, too, is about the father who's been waiting. He sees the boy coming afar off, Jesus said, and he runs to meet him. Remember when Dr. Brandon Scott from Phillips Theological Seminary was here and talked about this story? He said, you have to keep remembering that Israel is not in Europe, it's in Asia. It's a part of Asia, and Asian fathers do not run, he said. It's considered undignified. Mothers run, not fathers. So the mother in God's great heart runs to this wayward boy, throws his arms around him. It's the same word for Esau's greeting his brother Jacob, fell on his neck, kissed him on the neck. The son starts with his prepared speech. Abba, I know I've wasted my part of your bios, your life, any chance. And the father interrupts. Quickly, he said, bring the robe, ah, the best one, he says. Bring the golden ring, put it on his finger. Bring sandals, put them on his feet. There's an old spiritual that says, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have shoes. I'm going to put on my shoes and walk all over God's heaven. 
shoes that poor didn't always have, sons of farmers did have. So a ring that restores sonship, the finest robe, shoes, and then, this word's very descriptive, kill the fatted calf. Hey, folks in Oklahoma know what that means. This is not the grass-fed one. This is the one we've been keeping in the pen. This is the one we've been feeding corn or whatever grain we had that would make this animal extra special. Most people in Israel did not eat much protein. Protein was saved. You didn't eat your cows. You waited for milk from which you could make cheese. You didn't eat your sheep or goats. You usually saved them for milk with which you could make cheese. It was rare that people ate protein, but we're not going to kill a cow, a calf that's been out in the pasture. That one we've been keeping up in the, in the lot where we could feed, where it would be extra tender for a special occasion. This is as good as it gets. My son who was lost has been found. The one who was dead is alive. The older son was out in the field when suddenly he heard music. Ah, oh, this is a very special word. In Greek, it is the word symphonia. He heard a symphony. Heard all kinds of music and dancing. And he turns to one of the young field hands and says, What's going on? And he says, Your brother has come home. Your Abba has ordered music and dancing. The best robe, the gold ring, sandals on the feet, the fatted calf. And he was angry, it says. Fire built in the nose. He was angry and refused to go in. And the father Abba comes out to him. Just as he had gone to the younger son. Again, Dr. Brandon Scott said, Asian fathers don't do that. You wait for the son. But this one does. He goes out. And this time it's the father who pleads. That's the word. He pleads with him. Come on inside. And he says, All these years I've kept your Torah. All these years I've been your doulos. The younger one has said, if he would just let me be a servant. And the older one says, I've been a servant all these years. I've never broken one of your commands. You've never even given me an old goat for a party with my friends. And this son of yours, that's what he calls him, this son of yours has squandered your life on prostitutes. It's an even stronger word in Greek, the one we know that starts with a W. That's a really strong word. This word hasn't been mentioned before, but the older one you see is imagined all these years, how hard we've worked to build a farm and the younger one has been running with all these long-legged Gentile women. He's angry. And the father said, 
but you are my son. Everything I have is yours. My bios, your bios. My life, your life. Please, come in. We don't know. End of story. Jesus came teaching and preaching. All the gospel writers, particularly the synoptics, are very clear about this. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. And I've told you the word repent in Hebrew is sub, which means to turn or return. Will this son turn from a pig pen, return to the father? Will this older one repent, turn again, and call the father Abba? The word in Greek is metanoia. This word means change, but I've told you it has more the meaning of conversion. I use the simple analogy of an automobile where pistons go up and down inside cylinders. That action doesn't make an automobile move. It has to be converted from this up and down movement inside the cylinders to a round and round movement like this. And most times that round and round movement has to be converted again to this to go forward or backward. Conversion. A motion of one direction changed a motion of another direction. A father had two sons. Repentance for one is deciding that he wants to leave a big pen and say again, my father. And repentance for the other will come only if he can truly say of all the father's children, my sister, my brother. 